0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Have you come to be changed? To have your faith fed this morning? we're talking about genuine faith. This is number four in our series, genuine faith. Real quick, for those of you that weren't with us for any of the other meetings, number one, we said genuine faith is not imitating someone else's faith. When the Israelites went through the Red Sea, the Egyptians tried to follow them. They didn't have faith to do that. And Israelites went on dry land and they were spared but the Egyptians died because they tried to imitate their fate they couldn't do it because God didn't say to do it and then we said it's also not presumption when they were told to enter the promised land they refused to do it when God pronounced judgment upon the Israelites they said well now we'll do it but he said don't do it now because if you do it he's not with you they presumed to do it that's called presumption they presumed to do it and what happened to them they died We talked about the fact that faith is not baseless. It is based on something God said. Either rhema, which is the spoken word, or the word spoken, or logos, which is the general revealed will of God, as revealed in his promises, his word by his covenant. And so genuine faith is based on what God said, not what we think, not what we manufacture, not what we presume, but what God said. And then we said in Mark 11, 22 and 23, which we have the law of faith. The law of faith says what a man believes in his heart and says with his mouth will come to pass. He can say to a mountain, Be removed and cast into the sea. And if you don't doubt in your heart but believe what you're saying will come to pass, you will have what you say. Jesus taught this law of faith. It is a spiritual law. And we showed that by this example. In the Old Testament, the 12 spies were sent to spy out the land, there were two groups. The ten and the two. And the ten said, they believed from their heart, we can't do it. We're grasshoppers in their sight. They're giants. They're bigger than we are. They're stronger than we are. They believed in their heart. They couldn't do it. They said with their mouths they couldn't do it. And guess what? They couldn't do it. And they died in the wilderness. But Joshua and Caleb were different. They said, we can, we believe we can. God is on our side and he's more than enough to get us into the promised land. So don't fear the people, they're bred for us. And what happened? From their heart, they believed this and with their mouth, they said this. And did they get in the promised land? Yes, they did. And so this is a perfect example to reveal to us how faith works and what genuine faith really is. As we continue our study, i want to talk this today about faith... Uh, It's actually Logos-based faith. And we'll talk about the difference in just a a moment. But let's read from 1 Samuel 17. And the Philistine, this is David and Goliath. I'm sure you know the story of David and Goliath, but we're going to give you a little different twist today. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh to the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Now notice, what he is saying, he believes. But why does he believe what he's saying? Because he believes what he's saying is based on his stature, his ability, his strength, his armor. And he says, come to me, and you're going down. He believed that, and he said that. But that's where his faith was based. On himself, his own strength, his own armor. Then said David to the Philistine... Thou comest to me with a sword, with a spear, with a shield. But I come unto thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. And I will give the carcasses of the hosts of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air, to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and all this assembly... Shall know that the Lord says, not with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. Somebody say amen. That's something to shout about right there. Wouldn't you say this is called logos based faith. This is faith that is based on the will of God as revealed according to his promises, his covenant, his word. So in other words, here's the difference rhema is the spoken word when the word was spoken to naaman go dip in the river seven times that was a spoken that was a rhema word that was given to him to go wash and you know what he could do that by faith because god gave him that rhema but could anybody else that was a leper go and do that absolutely not that was not their rhema that was not spoken to them only to him When the blind man was told, go wash in the pool of Siloam, that was his rhema, the spoken word. He could go wash in the pool of Siloam because that's exactly what he was told to do by Jesus. So he has faith to do that. His faith is based on the rhema or the word that was spoken to him. When Jesus told Peter to come when he was out there on the boat, he got out of the boat, began to walk on water. That was his rhema, the word come. Are you seeing this? So when he speaks to us, that's the rhema. And when he gives us a word, that's the rhema. But then there's also the logos. And the logos is the general revealed will of God. And as we study the word of God, we find the promises of God. And based on the covenant we have with God, we know the will of God. We can act on the logos by faith. David did not go And face Goliath based on a rhema. What do I mean by that? No one told him. God did not tell him, go fight Goliath. David, go fight Goliath. I will be with you and deliver you from the giant. He didn't hear that. As a matter of fact, David was bringing his brother's lunch. Let's read it. 1 Samuel 17. David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran to the army and came and saluted his brethren. That's what he was going there for. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man were filled with faith and vigor and strength and said, we've defeated other ones before and God's going to help us defeat. They fled from him and were sore afraid. Now, wait a minute. Hold that thought. These were warriors. You study the life of Saul, Jonathan, his son. You know what you discover? They were not cowards. They did many, many things of great, Strength for victories in their lives. They were not cowards. But when they saw this giant and heard him defying the army by day and by night for 40 days, they were sore afraid, and we'll show you why in a minute. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel he has come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches, And will give him his daughter. And make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him. Saying what shall be done to the man. That kills this Philistine. And takes away the reproach from Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine. That he should defy the armies of the living God. Notice that David's assessment. Was not like the other soldiers in the army. David was not cowering in fear. At all. You see. His faith was not based on the size, the so- sight, or the sound of the enemy. You know, our enemies, our giants, have sight, size, and sound. Not to him. No, so let's kind of play this out. Jesse, the father of David, says, Go take your brother's lunch. Go out to where the battle is and take your brother's lunch. I think one wants Chick fil A, one wants Panera Bread other one wants McDonald's. Someone says, where's Wedgwood at? David kept Wedgwood for himself. Pizza, Wedgwood pizza for himself. Okay, you got that now? So here he is, he's going there to the battle. He's not under a mandate from God to go fight Goliath. He's just minding his own business, doing his own thing, right? What happens? Goliath sounds off and says what he says. David hears it and said, what's this about? What, what, what's going on here? And they said to him, well, you know, look at this guy. Look at the size of this guy. Now, there's all kind of discrepancies, but let's just kind of lay it out there. He's either nine foot, three quarter to 11 feet tall. That's his size. The sight of this guy, he is clad with armor. His armor weighs approximately 272 pounds. His coat of mail, 156 to 180. The spearhead on his spear, just the spearhead, was anywhere from 18 to 21 pounds of iron. His javelin was they some say anywhere from 13 to 26 feet, even if it's 13 feet, that's pretty long, wouldn't you say? Could do some damage. So he sees him, but he doesn't really see him because he's preoccupied with something else. What about the sound? You know, I think he was a Arby's guy, he had the meats. You ever hear that voice? You know what I'm talking about? That voice, that, real, that loud, deep voice, right? Can you imagine hearing his voice echo? His size, his sight, his sound, his echoing. And everybody in the Israeli army, they are afraid. And they run, and they cower in fear. And then immediately after hearing this, he says, first of all, he says, look how David's thinking. He said, um, what'd you say is going to happen to the guy that defeats this giant? He said, well, you're going to get the money, the honey, and tax-free living. Great riches, the money, the king's daughter, the honey, and tax-free living for the rest of your lives for your family. He said, I'm up for it. But I want you to notice his true focus was what? This uncircumcised Philistine is defying the army of the living God. He took it personally. You are defying the God that I serve and his army. Are you kidding me? Go tell the king I'm the man, even though he's a boy, 15-year-old teenager. I'll fight the enemy. Look at verses 4 through 11. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath whose height was six cubits and a span. You know, I read an article about this from someone who apparently doesn't believe like in the supernatural and miracles and all that sort of thing. He said, the reason why he, he, I think he was only six foot five is because the average height of a person back then was five foot five. Okay. Anyone here six foot five? Don't know what you would weigh. But his armor weighed more than you probably. So illogically thinking. You think someone six foot five. Can carry about on his body. Armor that weighs 272 pounds. And still be able to do battle in war. Now if you read the right ones. You'll find out he was anywhere from nine and three quarter to 11 feet tall. And he had a helmet of brass upon his head. He was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass, anywhere from 156 to 180 pounds. He had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders, and the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear had weighed 600 shekels of iron, and one bearing a shield went before him. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said to them, why you come out to set up your battle in array? Am I and not I a Philistine? And ye servants to Saul, choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me, and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall you be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. You think Saul would have been afraid of someone that was probably his height? He was a warrior. He was a fighter. He was the king. He led them in battle on numerous occasions and was victorious. No, he was to be feared from the natural perspective. But you see, David didn't see that. David saw someone defying the army of the living God. Do you know you belong to God? And every giant we face is defying the child of the living God and the living God himself. Every obstacle that we face, every obstacle, every situation, every circumstance, every adversity that we encounter in life is the enemy coming against us to destroy us. Jesus told us clearly, the thief comes to steal to kill and destroy i came to give you life and that more abundantly guess what we've got to believe that the god that we know that the god that we serve who saved us by his grace is on our side and for us and not against us he will defend us he will fight for us he will go before us and give us his favor and the enemy is coming to destroy us he wants to take our lives he wants to bring us down but we've got to believe this from the heart and say this with the mouth That is how faith works. Notice, this is the logos developed or based faith that David had. This isn't something he just mustered up. He knew this. He believed this with all of his heart. Look in 1 Samuel 17, 32. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail him because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, doesn't he sound like one of those ten spies? We're not able, we're not able, we're not able, we're not able. When we view our situations as such that we're not able, that means we're looking at ourselves and our own abilities. But you can look at that same situation like David and, and you can say, doesn't matter how big you are, what you look like, what you're wearing, your armor. It doesn't matter what you're saying and our obstacle will speak to us. Our mountains will speak to us. I'm telling you something that I believe. David said to Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep. Well, let's back it up. You can't fight with him for your youth and be a man of war. He's been a man of war from his youth. He was looking at it from a natural perspective. This Goliath is a skilled warrior, humongous in size. With all this ability, there's no way, David, that you can do it. You are unable to do it. Was coming from his king. But he says to, to Saul. Thy servant kept his father's sheep. There came a lion and a bear. And took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him. And delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me. I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised. mean no covenant. Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing that he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go and the Lord be with you. Real encouraging. All right. David knew his God. David knew his covenant. David didn't have a rhema. All he had was a revelation and a knowledge of the will of God based on the covenant, based on promises, based on the word that God spoke and the word that God said. And so he practiced the word of God. If you recall, David said, thy word have I meditated all the day long. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day long. In Psalm 1, he said, Blessed is a man that walks not in the counsel of God. He sits not in the seat of the, scorn, of the scorn. But stands not in the seat of the sinner. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. David was a man of the word. David believed the word of God. David developed his faith by the logos. By looking at what the word of God teaches and said. Understanding the covenant that he had with God. And he embraced it so much. That when he was shepherding his father's sheep. And a bear came out. He knew That the bears were not greater than the God that he served. So by the power of his God, he defeated the bears. And then when the lion came out, he knew by the power of God, he could defeat the lions. So if he defeated the lions and the bears, what are the giants? What's the difference? The giants will be as the lions or the bears. And for all you Steeler fans, look out. Oh, when Andrew and I went to the game, (laughs) we, uh, you know, he was just so begging. He was begging the Lord. He said, Lord, they haven't won a game in 654, 654 days. Please let the Browns win a game. Well, as the week went on, he was just getting even more intense. And I'm going, son, calm down. Jesus isn't concerned about football. He said, what? He's not concerned about football at all. There's Christians on that side of the ball. There's Christians on that side of the ball. It doesn't matter. Just let them play the game. He said, but dad, all Jesus has to do is speak the word. I said, what? All he has to do, he's God. He can speak the word and they'll win. I said, you're not getting it. We don't have chapter or verse for that. There's no place I can find in my Bible that says, thus saith the Lord. So we're sitting at the game, and it's 14 0 the New York Jets. I'm sitting next to him. I could look at his face, and I'm like, I have no chapter, I have no verse. Lord, mercy. I'm asking for mercy. Give us some mercy today. Boom, the whole thing changed, <laughs> and they won the game. He said, See, Dad, I told you. <laughs> Oh, David defeated the bears based on the logos. He defeated the lions based on the logos. And when he stood before the giant, he said, you come at me trusting in your sword, your shield, your spear. I'm coming at you in the name of the Lord of hosts whom this day will deliver me out of your hand isn't that what he said well, I want you to notice that isn't just what he said this is not name a this is something that came from here this is something that he believed with all of his heart he wasn't borrowing somebody else's faith he wasn't presuming on somebody else's faith he believed in his heart as a shepherd boy you know where the 23rd Psalm came from everybody knows the 23rd Psalm right the Lord's my shepherd I shall not want you know where it came from He was sitting under the stars. He was watching his father's sheep. He's a shepherd and he he gives himself for the life of the sheep. You see, a hireling wouldn't do that. They'd flee. But because it's his own, he gives his life. He offers his life for the sheep and he knew that. And he's thinking, I'm watching these sheep. I'm shepherding these sheep. But who's my shepherd? Who's my shepherd? Then he said, I know. Oh, Lord, you're my shepherd. I shall not want. You make me to lie down on green pasture. You leave me beside the still waters. You restore my soul. You getting it? And man, if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I got a table set before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup's running over because you're good to me. He believed this. And when he told that to Saul, he wasn't being presumptuous. He wasn't imitating somebody else's faith. He had faith based on the revelation of the will of God the promise of God the word of God and he says my God whom I serve will deliver me out of the hand of the giant and I'm sure timidly Saul said well go and the Lord be with you (laughs) Uh, next in line because I once you could be missed me look at uh did we read 32 to 37 yet let's read it let's read those verses Yeah, we read that. Okay, look at 43 to 47 again. So let's look at this. So David now is going to go face Goliath. Now we go back to where Goliath said this. The Philistine said to David, Am my dog that, thou should, that you come to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me. And I will give your flesh to the fowls of the air, to the beasts of the field. Stop there. The things we face in life, they have a voice. They have size. they have sight, and they have sound. And I'm telling you, they will speak loudly to us. And the enemy will try to tell us why you can't believe God, why you can't make it work, why you're never going to overcome, you're not going to be victorious. Life is not worth living. I mean, the list goes on and on. The size of the problem, the sight of the problem, and also the sound of the problem can be awful. You know, the, the giant really meant that. But then again, look at the next verse, verse 45. David said to the Philistine, What does faith do? Believes in the heart and says with the mouth. David said to the Philistine, You come unto me with a sword. With a spear, with a shield. And really it's not there, but David didn't even consider his size, his sight or sound. He didn't consider how big the sword, the spear, the shield was. You know why? Because he said, I'm coming to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And this day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee, and I will take thine head from thee. I will give the carcasses of the hosts of the Philistines this day to the fowls of the air, and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and all the assembly shall know that the lord says not with a sword or spear for the battle is the lord's and he will give you into our hands how important is it for us to see that the battle's not ours the battle's the lord's he's defying the army of god he's defying the purpose of god he's defying the plan of god for your life for my life for this ministry and whatever you hold dear your marriage your family your children He's trying to defy the will of God, the plan of God, the purpose of God for our families, for our children, for our offspring, for their children, etc., etc. But it's time for the body of Christ to rise up, whether it's our, our nation, our government, praise God. And we start declaring like David did by faith. It's not us, it's not our power, it's not our ability, but praise God we serve the mighty one of Israel. We serve the living God that raised Jesus from the dead. We serve the great I am and there is nothing on this earth that is greater than the one who lives in us. Greater is he who is in us than he that is in this world. Our eyes are upon him, not the problem, not the mountain, not the circumstance, not the obstacle. Our eyes are on him, the size of our God, the sight of our God, the sound of the word of the living God. That's what David was looking at. And that's what you and I should be looking at. Where are our eyes? Do you see God bigger than your problem? Do you see the size of your God? Oh my goodness. Is there anything too hard for him? Absolutely not. David spoke his faith because his faith was based on the revelation of the promise of God, the covenant of God, and the word of God, the will of God. And look at Psalm. Well, look, I'm sorry. Before we get to that, look at these lessons we can learn from David. We, I just listed these that so we could just have a, a little bit of insight. What do we learn from this story of King David? Then wasn't king. We learn number one, we must be prepared ahead of time. Did David know what he was walking into when he walked in there? Not at all. He's bringing lunch. But was he prepared when he heard the voice of the enemy? He was well prepared. You know, heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. And we need to be prepared so that we can make our way to glory. We need to be prepared right now. We're also going to face trials and tribulations in this life because Jesus made it very clear to us that in the world you have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So we need to be prepared knowing that it's, we're not going to just float through lives on bed of ease, beds of ease. We're going to be challenged along the way, and so we can believe God, praise God, that He'll defend us and fight for us. We've got to believe and be prepared in advance, be ready for it in advance. Number two, the second thing, our view of the challenge really does matter. David viewed God being bigger than the problem. That's how he viewed it. We've got to do the same thing. We've got to get to a place through our meditation of God's Word that we're not going to be intimidated by the size, the sound, the sight of the enemy. We're going to see our God as being bigger than the problem. Remember the ten spies? We can't do it because they're bigger than we are. But what did the two say? Uh uh-uh. uh, God's on our side. He will help us. He will defend us. He will defeat the enemy for us. Can you see the two weighed out? Can you see they both believe something, but one believed the wrong thing? The natural report, but the other ones believed the spiritual report? Number three, we must know our covenant rights. We must know the promises of God, we must know the word of God. We must know the covenant that we have with God. We must know his promises, the thing he promised us. Why? Because that's what our faith is based on. It is based on what God said. David understood and David knew. Look at Psalm eighty-nine, thirty-four. He knew his covenant that he had with God. He didn't have to wait for a spoken word. He didn't have to wait for a rhema. He acted on what he already knew. And what he knew is this, my covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that's gone out of my lips. Once I have sworn by my holiness that I will not lie to David, his seed shall endure forever, and his throne as the sun before me, it shall be established forever as the moon and as a faithful witness in heaven. Stop and think about that. Say, let me stop and think about that. What is God saying to David? I am giving you promises. I'm making a covenant with you. I'm giving you my promise and my word. And I want you to know something. When I give my word I watch over it. I perform it. I make it good. It will not return void to me. It will accomplish what I please. It will prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. And David knew that if he would just believe what God said in his word and his covenant that God who cannot lie. Hebrews chapter 6 says the anchor for the soul that we all have is God promised. God swore by an oath and he cannot and will not lie once i've sworn he said to my servant david i can't change it it's a done deal that why that way you can have strong consolation which is strong faith you see the soul needs to be anchored on something that can't move right and what is it anchored on god swore by an oath it has to be the way god said or he lies that is faith from the heart you said what did he say about your situation and you embrace it you and you sit up, we'd humble ourselves, pray, seek your face, and turn from wicked ways. You'd hear from heaven, forgive our sin and heal our land. You know what? We've humbled, we've prayed, we sought your face, we've we returned from wicked ways. Now you're healing this land. You're healing this land. By faith, we believe your hand is upon this nation like it's never been before. Your mercy is extended. Your hand of mercy, your hand of judgment has stayed. And we're believing that you are moving in a powerful and glorious way. We believe that because he said that. We hold him to his promise. You said you never flood the earth ever again and, and destroy all human life to Noah. Can he change that? Absolutely not. That's the anchor for the soul. And you know in that verse where it talks about that God swore by an oath. He made a promise and swore by an oath. Since he can swear by no, better, no, no greater, he swore by himself. It actually says he lifted up his hand. You know how in the court of law they say you swear to tell nothing but the truth? Right? So me God. And have you hold up your right hand, put your hand on the Bible. Right? God said, raise his right hand. I swear by myself. This is what he said to Abraham. I swear by myself. I can't swear by any greater. I swear by myself. That's an anchor for the soul. He can't lie. He can't change that. That's the immutability of his counsel. David knew that. He knew his covenant. He knew the promise. He knew the word of God. And therefore he stood out on that word of God and declared it. Number four. What we learn. We must speak our faith. We must. We cannot be timid. We cannot be shy. We cannot be in fear. We can't run away from it. We have got to speak our faith out. You believe in. Everywhere Jesus taught faith. If you had faith you'd say to that mountain. If you had faith you'd say to that sycamore tree. He said if you had faith. And you speak from your heart with your mouth. Nothing will be impossible to you. Jesus taught that. Number five. It's got to be spoken. How would you get saved? You spoke your faith. You believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. And you spoke it. You confessed it. You declared it. To rely on God. God is more important than physical training. Didn't matter how talented Goliath was. Or how trained he was. God is bigger, praise God, than anything we can face and greater so, it's more important to be trained and developed in the things of God and faith than it is to be physically trained as well. Number six, we must know the authority of Jesus' name. What did he say? I'm coming at you, not with a sword, not with a spear, but in the name of the Lord of hosts, who this day will deliver you into my hand, he said. Beloved, we are the most privileged people on the planet. We have been given the right to use the name above every other name in heaven. Things and beings in heaven, things and beings on earth, things and beings under the earth. That name was given to Jesus by his conquest over the powers of darkness. It was conferred upon him as a gift from the Father. And praise God, because of who he is and what he's done, he's been given this name, which is above all the angelic names and all the angelic beings in this world or any world to come. His name is honored and exalted as the highest authority in all the universe. And only we as believers have been given the right to use that name. Think about that. In the name of Jesus, mountain, move. Look at the next one. Number seven. Our God is greater than any enemy we face. Whether it's a lion or bear. Now I think David was out of his mind to chase a lion and a bear have you ever seen one have you ever been up against a partition a plexiglass partition i was one time and 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 the line was just however thick it is away from my nose he could have swallowed my head with one quick bite a little snack he looked at me and i looked at him thank god for the petition (laughs) Or I might have been mustering up, I come at you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) Run. (laughs) He chased them down. It's important to know our God will fight for us. You're not alone in the battle. Look at the next one, number eight. You, you're not alone in the battle. He wants us just to be ourselves. When Saul tried to put his armor on David, what did David say? I can't do this. This isn't me. This isn't who I am. You know, you know David had, bro- I mean, Goliath had brothers. Did you know he had brothers? He had brothers. And they, these giants were also brought down by one by Jonathan and others from David's family, actually brought down the other giants. He was a giant slayer. And when they saw that he could slay Goliath, then they t- took off and they slayed other, other giants. Some say since he had four brothers, uh, that's why he had five stones david used one stone for goliath and the other four just in case his brother showed up for the battle but the point being made is david couldn't use all the other armor of saul that would have weighed him down all he needed was to be himself you see just be yourself you got a sling and a stone gotta use whatever you have but the idea is this it's not about you it's about him how big he is how great he is how powerful he is! and it's about us believing if thou canst believe a few things are possible to him i'm going to make sure you're awake some of you had donuts you might be nodding off to sleep here and not know what i'm talking about i'm going to keep you honest how many things are possible to him that believes oh how many things all things are possible to him that believes let me show the importance of faith And I'll close right here. The gospel doesn't work where there's no faith. They had the gospel preached, but it did not benefit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Without faith, we can't please God. It's impossible, the Bible says. We live by faith. We walk by faith. We fight the good fight of faith. We talked about these things in the first message. But I want you to see this. How many remember the story when Jesus fed the thousands 4,000 to 5,000 plus women and children. You multiply that out and you're going to get like thousands and thousands. Because it's just men and then women and children. So if you take four to a family out of 4,000, there's maybe 16,000 people he fed on one boy's lunch. It was an Italian's lunch. <laughs> if you ever ate an Italian house, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. The table is just, yeah, never mind. Anyhow. If, it, if it's 5,000, you multiply that times four. How many is that? 20,000. So Jesus fed 4,000, which is 16,000, 20,000. Put it together, you've got 36,000 people with two lunches. Boy, that's thrifty. Wouldn't you say? Mm -hmm. So they get on a boat and they begin to sail. And Jesus said something, be careful careful of the leaven of the Pharisees and all that. And they looked at each other and said, that's because we forgot to bring meat. We only got this little piece of bread. And so they go to Jesus. You see, you talk about a sign when you see someone multiply food like that, that you can feed all those people with a little lunch. These disciples say, are you upset with us because we don't have much bread here? What does Jesus say? You saw me feed sixteen thousand and then twenty thousand with one lunch. And now you think I'm talking about bread, all oh, you got this little bit of bread. All the signs that they saw, they still couldn't believe. Doesn't matter how many signs people get, will they believe? There was nothing for them to be concerned about with regard to food because Jesus just multiplied all that. And remember in the wilderness, he said, you saw my signs, you saw my wonders, but you will not believe my word to get into the promised land. And so you won't. That's how important faith is to all of us. If we want our miracles, then we've got to believe for them. Can you say amen? amen? Let's believe that God is bigger and greater. Oh, thank you, Father. We believe you. Not the size, not the sight, not the sound of our enemies. We believe you. Hallelujah.